Amen. I want to open up with a word of prayer. Go ahead and find your way to your seats. Father God, we just thank you and declare this morning what you've already started, light shining in every dark place. God, we just release the grip of the enemy on anyone in this room this morning. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, let's dig. Yeah, come on. We want to be bright and we want to reach the world. So Jesus is the light of the world. We've been talking about this for a few weeks now, who flips the script and then in the Sermon on the Mount says that you are the light of the world. He flips it for us. And so that's what we've been talking about for a few weeks now. So let me ask this question this morning. Do we have any fishers in the house this morning? Any fishermen, fisherwomen? All right, I thought, I thought we would. Now, um, I never really got into fishing much, but I did go out and attempt to fish um, with my best friend, uh, Jory, when we were young, and we were horrible. <laughs> we were horrible at it. I am the fisherman that caught more objects than I caught fish. <laughs> and, um, and, and I think our biggest problem was that we were never focused. We were, you know, we were just, you know, junior high boys that were out there laughing and, and you know, playing loud music, which is not conductive, I hear, to, to getting the fish. And so, but like most things, I've heard again, if you have a plan and then some knowledge and some skills and you're focused on what you're sitting out to do, maybe not blasting the music and laughing really loud to scare the fish, you might be more successful than I was. And so Jesus, he called 12 guys to follow him. We call them the disciples. They're the few first human beings who really knew who Jesus was really intimately, right? And they started following um, along in his mission on planet Earth. And some of them were fishermen by trade. And what Jesus said in time to them was, you know how to catch fish, but I want to teach you how to catch men. And so he used this language of, of catching and, and when he said that, he wasn't objectifying your friends or, or my friends. He wasn't making this about a, a tally of, you know, who got saved and who didn't get saved or who came to church and who didn't come to church. What he was saying was there's an entire humanity that is waiting and wanting to know how loved they are by God and, and, and how valuable they are to God. And how seen they are by the creator of the universe. You are seen this morning, let me tell you, by the creator of the universe. And how much more they were made for just more than what, what, you know, what's happening on this planet Earth. So he said, I want to teach you how to use your life to share with them what you've learned about me. And so this is still the plan all these centuries later that God doesn't want a church that just kind of camps out in buildings. He, he wants a church that is bright out in the world so that if anybody's looking for the way home, they can find the way home by following you. I've got a light. Let me show you the way. I'm connected to the source. So are you tracking this morning? It's not, a, it's not to a building. It's not to a denomination, not to a church even, not to a set of rules or regulations, but they can follow us and follow a savior and find a God who loves them, find Jesus who loves them. And so he has a purpose and a plan for life. And if you take on that mission and you don't have to be right, 
That's been part of our conversation in this series, right? We don't have to be right in every circumstance. That's not belittling the fact that Jesus is the truth and the fact that we want to walk in the truth. Jesus is right and he is true. It's just saying that the world isn't waiting for someone to roll in and be right. They're looking for someone to be bright. And so um, they are looking for someone. The world is looking for someone who can be bright so that when they need to know how to get home, when they are in a place of, of darkness, when they're in a place where they're lost, they can see the light and that can lead them to the person that is Jesus. And I just wonder, do you see yourself as that light that God is sending out into the world? That's the challenge that we've been um, um, putting forth uh, at the beginning of this year. And when you do, this whole be bright attitude comes to life. And I believe that's when the church becomes unstoppable. Because we're not waiting for someone to get through the doors. We know that God is sending us through the doors of the world. Right? And, and, and he's giving us an opportunity. So you don't have to be right every single time. You just have to be bright in a darkened world. So our story this morning is a personal story of a real guy. And it comes from Acts chapter 17. And the reason I didn't have a stand um, for the reading of the, our opening word this morning is I want to read you a, a pretty good chunk of, of scripture this morning. All in, in, in one segment from Acts chapter 17. It's the story of the Apostle Paul, one of the first trailblazers of the church, right? And he ends up in Athens, Greece. And the part where this story takes place is still very similar today to the way it was when Paul was there thousands of years ago. Maybe you've uh, seen the Acropolis. Um, and when you walk up to the Acropolis to this day and take that long hike up the hill, you pass by a place um, uh, uh, where there's a sign marked that said this is where this story happened. It's this place that this story happened is, is marked. Um, it's like the historical markers, you know, that are on the highway. And, and so this is the place where this story transpired. And so Paul, he ends up in Athens, Greece, and he has this mindset of I wanna be a fisher of men, um, and I wanna share what God's done in my life with the people around me. That's what his whole life has been about, right? And so I, I just wanna read this story for us unfolding in verse 16, and I'm not gonna put it up on the screen um, this morning, because I want you to hear the story. It's a story. It's a real story. It's a historical story, but I want you to hear it for what it is this morning. So if, if it helps you to close your eyes, if, whatever it does, I just want you to hear it this morning. I'm going to read it right out of the Bible, and I, I just want you to trust me this morning. If you, if you want to uh, fact check me afterwards, go home and, and look this up. We're going to be in, in Acts um, 17, verse 16. I, I promise there's no smoke uh, up here. I'm, I'm reading from the scripture. I'm reading from the text this morning. Um, but I just want you to listen uh, to what God is telling us this morning, okay? I'm going to start in verse 16. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was deeply troubled when he realized that the entire city was full of idols. He argued the claims of the gospel with the Jews in their synagogue and with those who were worshipers of God. And every day he preached in the public square to whomever would listen. Philosophers of the teachings of Epicurus and others called Stoics debated with Paul. And when they heard them speak about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what strange ideas is this babbler trying to present? Others said he's peddling some kind of foreign religion. So they brought him for a public dialogue before the leadership council of Athens known as the Areopagus. And we're going to learn what that is in just a minute. Tell us, they said... 
about this new teaching that you're bringing to our city. You're presenting strange and astonishing things to our ears, and we want to know what it all means. Now, it was the favorite pastime of the Athenians and the visitors to Athens to discuss the newest ideas and the philosophies. So Paul stood in the middle of the leadership council. Think of like the, the leaders of this region, of this area, all the important people. He stood there and he said, respected leaders of Athens, it is clear to me how extravagant you are in your worship of idols. For as I walked through your city, I was captivated by the many shrines and objects of your worship. I even found an inscription on one altar that read, To the unknown God. I have come to introduce you to this God whom you worship without even knowing about him. The true God is the creator of all things. He's the owner and Lord of the heavenly realm and the earthly realm. And he doesn't live in man-made temples. He supplies life and breath and all things to every living being. He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him, for he has all things and everything he needs. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity, and he spread us over all the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations determining their appointed times in history. And he has done this so that every person would long for God and feel their way to him and find him, for he is the God who is easy to discover. It is through him that we live and function and have our identity. Just as your own poets have said, our lineage comes from him. Since our lineage can be traced back to God, how could we even think that the divine image could be compared to something made of gold, silver, or stone, sculpted by man's artwork and clever imagination? In the past, God tolerated our ignorance of these things, but now the time of deception has passed. He commands us all to repent and turn to God, for the appointed day has risen in which he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has designated. And the proof given to the world that God has chosen this man is this. He resurrected him from among the dead. The moment they heard Paul bring up the topic of resurrection, some of them ridiculed him, and they got up and left. But others said... We want to hear you again later about these things. So Paul left the meeting, but there were some who believed the message and joined him from that day forward. Among them were Dionysius, a judge on the leadership council, and a woman named Damaris. So, that's it. If, if we put a title on this, it could be the day that Dionysius and Damaris met Jesus. That's, that's what this story is really all about when you reduce it down. Um, Dionysius and Damaris and some others met Jesus. They believed in him and they put their faith in who he, is, uh, who he was. Why? Because Paul was being bright in the city of Athens, right? And, and so when I look at how he's being bright and see how he's navigating a situation like this, I want to learn from him. So a few of the things that we can learn from Paul about being bright this morning on the backside of your uh, bulletin if you want to take notes. Number one, if you want to be bright, you have to be quick to understand the spiritual landscape or the spiritual climate around you. So Paul showed up in Athens, and the first thing that he did was he perceived the spiritual climate. 
Um, he didn't just show up and go, I'm worried about me or what I'm thinking about what, what I'm going to eat, where we're going to go next, um, you know, what our schedule is going to be. He walks into Athens, and the first thing he does is he surveys the spiritual climate. And when he does, it says it touches his heart. Uh, the, the phrase it says, it says that he was distressed. In other words, it, it grieved him. It grieved him because he saw all the idols that were there that were part of the culture that they had in the city. And so in response to that, here's my response to that. I, I just want to keep upping my skill of walking into situations and meeting people, whether I'm ordering food at a restaurant or, you know, going to this particular thing and, and seeing stuff in the natural. But I also want to walk into that situation and be able to size up the spiritual climate. And, and, and do you know what I'm talking about? So, so, so that you don't just hear, oh, hi, you know, I'm so-and-so and I'm from so-and-so, but, but you've got your, your spiritual ears tuned and you've got your spiritual um, eyes open. And it, so it's keeping, uh, keeping them aware so that you're kind of trying to suss out with people, you know, where are you with the Lord? Where, where are you in terms of, you know, the purpose in your life? Where, what is the climate what is the spiritual climate of this place that I'm, this place, this atmosphere, this place that I'm in? So you walk into your classroom, you walk into your, your office, your place of work, and you can kind of break down where everybody is spiritually because you have your radar scanning the situation because you knew you were sent there to be a light in the dark. Okay, does that make sense? The second thing I love about Paul is that he went straight to church. <laughs> the synagogue to teach. And that was his go-to, by the way, if you, if you watch his journey. If you, if you don't understand some of the background here, Paul, before he met Jesus, he, he was a champion Jew. And, and so he had all the credentials. So when he showed up at the synagogue, it wasn't like, who are you? It was like, okay, you can have the platform, sir. <laughs> you know, he, he was a Jew of the Jews. He was a trained teacher of the law. And so he had the degrees, if you will, to show for it. And so when he walked in, they would say, oh, great, you teach today. <laughs> you take the stage, you take the platform. I mean, he was that respected as, as a Jewish leader even before he met Jesus. And so he can walk into the synagogue and he can just drop it like it's hot, right? He can just drop it like it's crazy. And so he's, he's sharing the message and, and people are on the edge of this. He's the first thing that he did when he got to almost any city was to go where the Jewish people gathered. And then, you know, I, I'm going to go to the synagogue and I'm going to start at the Old Testament. And I'm, I'm going to walk through all the stuff that they already know. But, but then I'm going to build the bridge over how I found the answer to all of that I know in, in the person of Jesus. That was his go-to thing. That's what, he, that's what he did when he came into a new city. He'd go to the synagogue. So the first thing, synagogue. Second thing it says about him is that he went to the marketplace day after day and he talked to whoever was in the marketplace and I'm like I love this guy I love it because he didn't feel like it was an either or either either you can talk church talk church with the church people or you can talk marketplace with the marketplace people you know it's it's not you can either deal is the wrong word but I'm going to use that word you can either deal with the Christians or you can deal with real people but you can't do both he's he's like oh no you can <laughs> Watch me. You can do both. In fact, you have to do both to be bright. He did it over and over. Every city that he came into, you have to be able to speak church and to speak marketplace to be bright. And that's awesome. I love this because I know so many guys and ladies who are crushing it in the marketplace. 
in the place where they've been sent. But if, you know, if we're honest, a lot of them are like, well, I really don't know the Bible so well. And you know, I'm, I'm not sure if I could really lead anybody to the Lord if it really came down to that. But man, I know distribution patterns. You know, I, I can talk the tech talk. I know technology. I know the market conditions. Um, I'm crushing it over here, and I can hold my own with anybody that is in the marketplace, the place that I'm working, but I'm not as comfortable with the spiritual conversations. And I know a lot of people who are also really comfortable spiritually. And I mean, all day long, it's a, I'm listening to another podcast. I'm, I'm in another you know, Bible study, it's another soap journey, it's another uh, Bible study, it's what book are you, are you reading, and all day long, it's just them and their, their believing friends talking about all the things in their, their Christian world, but, but, but when <laughs> you get them out of that context and put them in the marketplace um, with some people that they don't know, and they're like, yeah, well, um, okay, yeah, uh, how are you doing? God bless you, <laughs> and they just don't know what to say, right? Or how to, how to respond. It's wonderful to be here. Hi. Uh, and there's this nervousness. And so what being bright is all about as we watch Paul on his journey is being fluent in both places. It's being fluent in both places. So if you're a marketplace leader, and that doesn't mean you have to be in commerce. Uh, it, it, you could be like 100 foot you know, deep in fashion or whatever it is that, you know, you can converse about and hold your own in that environment, I want to encourage you to up your understanding of the things of God, the Word of God, and even your potential to lead somebody to God so that you wouldn't make the mistake of some marketplace leaders and not be bright where God has called you. That you would say, I'm just out here representing a light. I'm plugged into the source. And so wherever I go, whatever atmosphere I'm in, whatever office I walk into, whatever classroom I walk into, I'm going to let my life show that there's something different about me, that there's, there's something eternal that's in me. And it's not me, but it's the source that I'm connected to. And so it may come down to that, that you have a friend sitting in your office and you've got an opportunity in that moment. And, and there's not time for you to invite them to something outside of that context. So you're going to have to be the one that leads them to Jesus sitting there in the office. And so I would encourage you, this gives me the opportunity again to challenge us to get connected in a circle. You know, whether it be a fight club, whether it be a connect group, whether it be a, you know, Tuesday night worship and prayer group, get in a circle, get outside of the rows that are here on Sunday morning. This is important. This is, I, I, I keep on stressing that, but it's so important to get um, in relationship. One of the things that we do at connect groups is we gather, yes, and sometimes we maybe eat, yes, if you're in the right group, right, depending on the group, um, you're going to meet people. Big church, what happens is is going to be made small in those environments, and then God is going to do some things that are incredible and phenomenal. Then So the environments are great. Great, but you're also going to hear and learn something about who Jesus is through the lives of those who are in the circle. That's what's so important. We learn from each other and each other's stories and the, and the story of Jesus around that table. So I love being able to hear um, people's stories and getting to know them as they go through the, the Finding Your Destiny growth track on Wednesday nights. That's, that's, that's where I am every Wednesday night. And, and another one of my, my favorite recent memories of being part of a connect group was from the, the alpha group that I had the privilege uh, to be a part of down in uh, Bayfield. And one of the, 
the things that happened for us there, it's a, it's a 12, 13-week program. And we came together and we shared a meal every Wednesday night and we just start digging into these kind of foundational truths about who God was. And um, I just sat back and watched as a leader as, as, a, as this family kind of grew together. Man, we laughed, we cried, we cried some more. Um, and it was all just focused on Jesus. Jesus was at the center of the conversation. And so what happened was, you know, we, we had a, a non-believer attending that class, um, coming to learn about, you know, uh, Christ and the church and, and what all that means. We had some new believers in that community, and we had some um, people that have been in the faith for a long time all sitting at the same table, um, all, you know, sh- breaking bread together, all laughing and crying and sharing stories, so much so that when that study ended, we didn't stop gathering you know, there was a relationship that was formed that, you know, changed us from the inside out and, and we grew stronger together. So, you know, we, we journeyed, the, the, the encouragement is to journey together with some people who are also journeying after God. And so, you know, so get in your Bible daily and have conversations about that. But here's the challenge from Paul. Also learn about something else, right? Read, about, read something else outside of that zone. Get, get good in your marketplace zone, whatever that is. Read about something, your passion and your purpose. And, and um, that isn't all about, you know, the Bible study thing that you're doing right now so that you can cross over into the world and speak both church and the world at the same time. This is what allows us to be bright. And so I love how we see this a little bit later in the text. It says, when Paul began to speak, this was his message to the men of Athens. He says, I see that in every way you are very religious. So he'd already figured that out. He'd assessed the spiritual climate. He'd already figured that out. And so then he starts encouraging them and he starts complimenting them. And he's, he's winning them over as he starts um, his little speech here. And so here's the thing. If you are not a believer, this is what I want to do. If I'm your friend, I want you to not think, well, the church people, all they know is these big theological words or words that, um, you know, it's church talk and they're not really like the rest of us. I don't want that. I want them to know that there's nothing further from the truth than that, that we're all in the same boat here. And it's just that some of us have met Jesus and found the meaning of the most powerful thing that has happened in our lives. And we want to share that. Everything is about us getting to that moment. And so I love how he built this bridge and he found this common ground with them. It's it's actually pretty brilliant. He says to the Athens, He says, I see that you're very religious. You are very religious people. And they were. They had over 1,000 idols. I see that you're very religious, he says. And he's like, man, you guys are killing it on the idols. Good job. (laughs) That's what he said, right? And and they're like, yeah, we are. We we are. And, And then he says, I noticed that You're so amazing in your religious pursuit that you also have an idol over there just in case there was a God that you didn't know and you didn't want to offend that God. You made this idol to the unknown God. Now that's called covering your bases. I mean, I'm telling you what, nobody covers their bases like the men of Athens covers their bases. And so can you imagine, just think about it for a second. Can you imagine how good you felt if you were in that council, that leading council that ran the culture and the philosophy and ran basically the town of Athens and the surrounding areas? Can you imagine if you were the guy that had the idea for the idol to the unknown God, how good you would have felt when he said that? You know, you're like, I know. he says, I noticed you even have an idol to the unknown God. And the guy elbows his friend. He said, I told you that's what we needed. 
<laughs> I told you. And then he's, he's like, preach, brother, preach. <laughs> and then Paul just sees this drawbridge kind of come down, and he goes, man, this is going to be like a cakewalk. And, and then he goes on, he says, what you worship that you don't know, I want to tell you about that God. And, he, and he, he does what Jesus did. He flips the script, right? And so where do you think they were posture-wise when, when he got to that point of his talk? They were sitting on the edge of their marble benches. <laughs> and they were ready to hear. He knows the unknown God. He, this is going to be amazing. He says he's the maker of heaven and earth. You know, these were big ideas. He's, he's not made by hands. He, in fact, gives life and breath to all things and to all people. He decides when people are born. He decides where they'll live, and he sets out their course of the life, and he does all this in the hope that they'll seek after the one who put breath in them. And we can find him because he's not far off. Paul goes, in fact, he said, you're poet." said it in his own words. He said, we, your poet said, we are his offspring. So it's like this. What does all this mean? It's just the most brilliant way to let someone know that there is common ground between you and them. And I believe this is going to help us be bright. It doesn't mean that you have to know everything about anything. But if you know anything about anything, please use that as a way of letting the world know that there's a common ground between those of us who love Jesus and those of us who haven't yet come to know him. And I don't think that, again, we have to be uber-versed in every single thing that's going on in culture, but somehow we have to assess the spiritual climate, right? And we have to see opportunities. Paul, I don't know how long he had been carrying around that poet's verse, you know, that poet's quote. I mean, uh, did he just have that tucked away for a while, ready for this conversation, or was he just super into poetry? We don't know. Like, you know, I got the Greek poets down, I've got the, you know, Roman poets down, I got the Jewish poets down, I've got the Stoic poets down, I've got the Epicurean poets down, so if I'm in a situation where I need some poets, I'll just whip out whichever one I need. <laughs> I don't know if that was the case, you know, if that's what he did, except that he was led by the Holy Spirit to have that in his pocket, Right? And, and maybe, too, by being a, a brilliant communicator, you know, he was prepared. But he said, I'll let, I'll let your own poet make my point. He said that we are his offspring. And then he makes his point. He said, your poet said this, that we are his offspring, right? Yeah, okay. Well, if we are his offspring, well, I am not stone, and I am not gold, and I am not silver. So all of these idols that we're standing around that are gold and silver and stone, we don't need them. Brilliant. It was brilliant. And so then he shifts the gears, and he does what every bright person does. He doesn't skimp on the gospel. He doesn't skimp on the gospel. And I love that. And I'm learning that from Paul, that at the end of the day, I need to take a chance. And I need to say, the one who changed my life is Jesus. It's not going to church. It wasn't just a thing that I went to. It wasn't just that I'm growing spiritually right now. At some point, I actually have to say, it, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And I know it sounds crazy, but I believe that he was risen from the dead, which is where Paul goes, right? 
Paul knew that he couldn't tell the story without talking about Jesus if he's going to tell the gospel story. And he couldn't talk about Jesus without talking about the resurrection if you're going to get the full story. But if he talked about the resurrection, he also knew that all hell was going to break loose because in the Stoic mind... In the Epicurean mind, they did not believe in the resurrection from the dead. And actually, they were vehemently opposed to the resurrection, that kind of teaching. And so he's like, we're all good here. Unknown God. Okay, I've got a good feeling, feeling good. I better keep on preaching. Um, can I tell you about him? What do you want to hear about him? He's actually pretty amazing. He even he, he throws in the poet's quote. He does all that. Things were going well. And then he says, all right, now that we're all up in here together, I need you to tell you about Jesus, who was resurrected from the dead. And then the whole thing, it says, kind of blew up. A lot of them sneered at him. And, and here's the thing. They have the potential to sneer at me, too. And you. When I say his name is Jesus, and I believe that, you know, he was risen from the dead. But I'm not going to skimp on the gospel, and we shouldn't skimp on the gospel. You know why? Because I believe what this text says. I believe my neighbors, my family members, the people that I hang around with, and the people that I see in my life, I believe they're closer to Jesus than maybe they even think they are. Because I believe this text, and I believe that in him we live and move and we have our being. And I've met so many people over the course of my life who would say that, well, I'm just not interested in church. And that gives me the opportunity to say, but you might be interested in a God who loves you. Right? Because I can understand people <laughs> that wouldn't be interested in the church who have been hurt by the church. They might, they might be somebody that says, no, I don't care about all that. I don't believe the Bible. Okay, I, I can understand where you're coming from. You may not believe the Bible, but I believe that you might need some peace in your heart. Or I left the church a long time ago, and I don't plan on going back through those doors anytime soon. How many of you have had that conversation with somebody? Like, I've been hurt. I've been burned. I've, 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 <laughs> I've been in your church. And I've, I've been hurt. Okay, I, I, I believe what you're saying. And listen, that <laughs> I believe that you were hurt. I believe that's real, but I also believe that you may be struggling right now, and, and you may have tried every single thing that your friends have told you is going to solve your dilemma, but nothing has worked yet, and you still are a candidate for God to come in and do something supernatural to bring peace, to bring joy, to bring freedom, to bring wholeness of heart, to bring forgiveness, to bring restoration where People may have failed you in your life, and maybe even the church has failed in your life, but Jesus will never fail you. And so let me show you the light. Let me show you the source that I'm connected to, and let me reintroduce you to Jesus. Right? That nothing else will bring you freedom or bring light to the darkness like the Jesus that I know. Because I believe that in him we live and we move and we have our being. Do you believe that about the people that are around you? That's the question. Do you believe that about the people? Or if you do, you're going to take a chance and you're, you're going to invite that person one more time. Because 
you're going to believe that they might be a whole lot closer than even they think they are to seeing a God who loves them and putting their faith in a Jesus who gave his life for them. So here's the thing. I want to stay convinced that people are closer than they think they are and then just leave the results to God. I know, you know, some of us are going to hear, you know, when we say, raise from the dead, Jesus, <laughs> I don't think so. That's happened to me. I've heard that. Somebody's going to hear your story and go, sorry, I moved on from my faith like seven years ago. That's happened to me. Somebody's going to say, you know, no level-headed person or person of intellect would ever buy into what you're saying. That's happened to me. But some people are tired and weary and longing for meaning and a purpose and longing for peace with God and with their past. And they're ready to jump at the chance to be forgiven and free. Some people are going to come to the place where, where they'll be able to distinguish, I was mad at the church. <laughs> And maybe the people in it, <laughs> because that is a church. <laughs> I was mad at them, but it really wasn't ever all that mad at God. It was the people that were jerks, <laughs> right? But I see that God is still there, and he is hanging with me in my story. And so Dionysius, I believe, he was a leader of the, of the council, of the most cultured and the highest... <laughs> philosophical thinking, um, you know, community on earth. And Damaris said, count me in, count me in too. I, I believe in Jesus. And that day they connected their light bulbs into the source, right? They connected into the source that day, the light of the world, Jesus. So Paul did not skimp on the gospel in this most prestigious crowd that he was with in a very religious crowd that very vehemently opposed you know, who Jesus was because the whole story of his story was resurrection. He didn't skimp on it. And so he left the results to God. Is there any, let me ask this question. Is there anybody in your life where you brought the story, but they didn't want to hear about it? You've done that. They didn't want to hear it. And you went, okay, well, that hurt. I'm never, ever going to do that again. <laughs> Right? Well, if they say, I don't want to hear about it, don't go, well, I don't care if you don't want to hear about it. You're going to hear about it. That's not a, a good plan. That might not be the best plan. But just wait and see if another opportunity comes along. Hang in there. Be a normal friend. <laughs> be a good friend. And see if another opportunity comes along. Let them see your life and, and watch your life and see for themselves if there really is something different about your life. And I believe another opportunity is going to come along. But if there is somebody, is there anybody you know, in the building this morning that you sort of bought the lie or you gave up on hope or cast in on the possibility of anything ever happening because you, you know, cast the net out and, you know, so now you've come to the place that you're, 
that your friend could actually come to know what you've known? It's the kind of the hope is gone. Are, are you still out at the pier, you know, at the fishing dock, you know, saying, I know all this looks a little unorthodox and I'm not the best at it and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not a professional, but I just want to keep casting hope out into the water. I just want to keep casting joy out into the water. I just want to keep on casting love out and truth out. And I just want to keep one more time saying, man, this changed my life. And this has been the defining thing in my life. And I just want to hang in there believing that God is working even if I don't see it. The last thing, and I've I've got to close, but this is, I think, the game-changing reality that has blown up my heart the most about this story. I love the Jesus follower who can win in any moment at any time and see people come to know Jesus in the most unlikely places. And so Paul is in Athens, and just quickly, why is he there? Why is he there? How did he get there? Got there on a boat. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> but but um, we drop into these texts and we do this message and Paul's in Athens and he's on in Mars Hill and he preaches some amazing messages and all these people get saved and isn't it amazing? And we kind of forget the story that leads us there sometimes. So just really quickly, Paul was in the town called Philippi telling the truth about Jesus. He cast a demon out of the slave girl. What happens? Gets him thrown in jail. So he and Silas, they were put in stocks and they were beat up in the jail, right? So midnight, they cried out, um, singing praises to God. God delivers them out of the jail. Oh, but they still had welts on their faces and they still had blood coming down the corner of their eye, and, but they were delivered. They got out of the jail that night by the power of God. They left Philippi. They went to the next town. They went to Thessalonica. Paul went straight to the synagogue. He went to church, just like he does, and started preaching to the Jews there because he knew how to talk the scriptures. And he knew how to talk to them in their language and lead them to the Messiah, Jesus. It says in Thessalonica that they were so frustrated with Paul because they were so proud of their system. And so some of them, they rounded up some of the bad characters in town and they trumped up all this false information about Paul and the whole city was inside to riot against him. So much so that they had to sneak out of that city in the middle of the night. And then he went to Berea. Are you still tracking? Feeling good so far? Everything is just going right according to plan, right? (laughs) I mean, this is, he got beat up. He got put in jail. He had to slip out of that town. He got delivered from jail in the middle of the night, went to Thessalonica. The people there, they trumped up all this hatred and the whole city turned on him and he had to slip out again in the middle of the night. Then he went to Berea. Things were going pretty good there. He was teaching in the synagogues. He went to church again. Teaching in the synagogues, telling a story about Jesus and the the resurrection. But then the people of Thessalonica, how many of you have people like this in your life? They still weren't over it. (laughs) And they were so mad, the people in Thessalonica, that when they heard that he was in Berea, the same crazy people came from Thessalonica to Berea and they started up all the people in Berea. And so he had to slip out of that town for his life. And the people with him said, you go ahead, you go to Athens and wait for Silas and Timothy there. So do you see this? Are you seeing this story with me? So when Paul walked into Athens, he didn't go, wow, this just looks like what we paid for on Expedia.com with the discount rate, you know, and today we're going to go to Acropolis and we're going to have some Greek food. And the day after that, we're going to... You know, this wasn't a vacation. When, when he walked through the gates of Athens, he is on the run for his life. Not for the first time, not for the second time, not for the third time, not for the fourth time. Everything seems to be going against him everywhere he goes, and the headwind is coming against him in his life. But when he rolls into Athens, he doesn't say, God, this 
isn't really going well at all. This isn't the way I planned for it. Woe is me. He walks into Athens and he says, hmm, I need to survey the spiritual landscape. And so he does that. I don't know how long I'll be here, but if I get an opportunity, I want to be ready. And so I'm studying right now. Oh, the unknown God. I'm going to take a note of that. This is going to come in handy. Trust me. I'm going to probably put that with that poem that I have. And, and that's going to rock. And, and, and so I don't know where to go yet. Oh, I'm going to go to the synagogue. I'm going to go talk with them because the, that's where I'm going. I, I know what I'm going to say in the synagogue to promote, um, you know, everything that who Jesus is there. But, but hey, I'm also going to go to the marketplace to see what's happening there. Because you know what? I, I'm going to hit both places. Oh, and, and what? You want to promote me up to the Areopagus? What? Oh. Okay, cool. Listen, I don't know if you're ever going to talk to the Council of Athens, (laughs) but if you're faithful, being bright, just being connected to the source, not striving, but just being connected to who who God is, and the light is shining bright in in you, and wherever you're at in your level, trust me, God will elevate you on some level that you've never dreamed of that you were going to be. Now, Paul's up at the city of council talking to to all of these leaders in the land, and he gets the opportunity to preach. And he talks about Jesus and the resurrection, and people get saved. (laughs) And you know what happens after that? He leaves, and he goes to Corinth. And so, you know, the the story is, you know, I, I didn't plan on going to Athens. I didn't plan... On, on getting to this town. This wasn't part of the master plan. It wasn't my plan, but all this difficulty of my life put me in this moment right here and right now. But you know what? I'm going to, in this moment right here and right now, I'm going to be bright. I'm just, I'm going to be bright because if the pain in my life is going to put Jesus in somebody else's life, then I'm committed to use my difficulty as a platform to shine bright. So, just in closing, I, I read about Dionysius, and I wanted to know who he was. Um, who is this guy from Areopagus? And you know what I found about him in the tradition of the church? Is that he had spent some time in Egypt. Why, did, why does that matter? He was in Egypt when Jesus died. And when Jesus died, darkness covered the earth on that Friday afternoon. So darkness came, even in Egypt, all the way down through Palestine, darkness covered the earth. It wasn't just this 10-foot radius, you know, around the cross. It was all the way down to to where he was. So when Jesus took our, our sin and our shame, heaven darkened the earth. And Dionysius was in Egypt, and he heard the stories. He he knew what was supposedly happening, and he'd heard about some reports about what was happening in Jerusalem. But Dionysius had never been able to pull all of this together. He saw the darkness come, but when it happened that day, somehow it touched his heart in a really powerful way. And so he went back to Athens, and he's there, and and he'd always remembered that day when darkness came. And he was probably going around Athens and asking the people, what do you think happened that day? That was pretty strange, wasn't it? What What do you think happened? Now, the news of Jesus is spreading and people are talking about that Friday and that Saturday and that Sunday, the darkness. And he's like, wait a minute, I experienced that darkness. I was there. Tell me what was going on on that Friday. And now Paul shows up 
And he preaches about what was going on when darkness covered the earth. And explains that Jesus was taking on the sins of the world and that he was resurrected and that Jesus came to light up the world. And so Dionysius says, I've been wondering about that my whole life. I wanted to know what was going on in that moment. And God does what he always does in my life and in your life and in our friends' lives. He connects the dots and he ties all the stories together and he shows up at the right moment, at the right time, and he opens up our minds to understand and to see who God is. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? That he is the one who gave all men life and breath and everything else. Your friends, I believe, and my friends are waiting for someone to help connect the dots, to help show them the light. And I believe in time, we're gonna see God do what he always does, amen? Amen. Father God, I thank you for our family that's here this morning, that's gathered. God, I thank you um, that you're our rescue. God, I thank you that you're the light that shines brighter than any darkness. God, and I thank you that you are calling us into the story to be atmosphere changers, to be carriers of your light wherever we go. God, that we would walk into a place and assess, Lord, as someone that is sent on mission to light the place up. <laughs> God, that we would love people where they're at, inviting them into a journey that is bigger and beyond themselves. Jesus, that you've come to give life and life more abundantly, better than we can ever think of or imagine. And God, when we step into the fullness of your plan, that in itself is a rescue. But God, as we step into that plan, part of that plan is to pull other people out and be your light. God, shining through us, carriers of your glory. God, I pray for those that are here this morning that feel that they're trapped in a place of darkness. They feel that they're trapped in a deep, dark cave. They feel they're trapped in a place where they need rescue. God, and I just, we just call on your name this morning to shine bright in every dark place. God, we just declare your word that you are the light of the world. And no matter how far we have gone into darkness, God, the light outshines the darkness. And so with nobody looking around this morning, I just want to invite you to grab a hold of that light. There's no striving. There's no struggling. It's just connecting to the Son of God who came to be a rescue for you. And today, this morning, it might be a place where you're, you're at there where you're saying, I'm resurrendering everything I have. I've been on this journey before. I've seen the light, but I'm coming back to the light and I'm <laughs> plucking back into the source because I know I've, I've been on the journey. I know that my source is not enough, so I'm connecting to the source this morning. Or maybe you're coming for the first time to the realization of who Jesus is. 
He's faithful yesterday, today, and forever. And I just want to invite you into that decision this morning with no one looking around, just me. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray and agree with you this morning. Okay, let's pray this. Father God, I give you my life. Surrendered to you. All that I am, for all that you are. Thank you for the cross. My salvation. My freedom. My light. Light the way. For me and for others. Lord, send me. In your mighty name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate this morning.